Well, the last chapter, certainly the ladies deserve the last chapter. Um, and all the other chapters, as we've stated over and over again, was uh, to help men in that society. And unfortunately, uh, for most of history, uh, men have dominated in every area. Women, uh, unfortunately, were uh, not considered, they were, they were considered valuable in certain aspects and pockets of history. But it wasn't until Christianity came on the scene and Jesus elevating women to the place they rightfully deserved and he intended, God intended, from the very creation of time. So uh, unfortunately today and still some societies, some um, places in our world today, women are looked down on and, and it's still a male, male, male dominated society. But in the church of Jesus Christ, that's not the way it is. Amen. We elevate. And last weekend we had a great woman speaker, Real Talk Kim. Uh, she was different, maybe you thought. But uh, boy, the truth that that lady put out. I thoroughly thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed her ministry and as she uh, shared with us and I loved her telling about God saying that, well, follow that boat, all right? So uh, uh, he's going to need, Jonah's going to need transportation back to where I had called him to go. All right, so we look at this uh, chapter and, and verse 1, here's what we read. The words of King Lemuel, the utterance which his mother taught him. So the first nine verses are what Lemuel, and we're not told who Lemuel is, all right? Some think that it was the poetic uh, name for Solomon. Others think it was a, a chieftain of that era of time. And still some others think it was King Hezekiah himself, which was one of the most godly kings that ever ruled in Israel. And maybe the reason he was so godly because he came from godly heritage. So in Proverbs chapter 25 and verse 1 on your notes, it says, These also are Proverbs of Solomon, which the men of Hezekiah, king of Judah, copied. And so there's a reference to King Hezekiah in Proverbs 25 and verse 1. At the, uh, his men copied uh, the Proverbs of King Solomon. If it was uh, King uh, Hezekiah, it's significant because really more important than the king that is listed here, Lemuel, is who was the mother in this story? Who was the real mother that was relaying to her son who was a king, uh, uh, some things that he needed to know in his life. So we find that in the first nine verses, her instruction to him. So who is this mother? Well, if it was Solomon's mother, and he was the writer of this chapter, uh, it would have been Bathsheba. Um, or if it was King Hezekiah, it would be Abijah, who was literally the mother of King Hezekiah, that godly king. She was the daughter of Zechariah, who uh, wrote a book in, in the Bible. Zechariah was a prophet of God who encouraged the people to repent and build the temple after it had been destroyed. So he was a godly man himself. 
So if it was Hezekiah, his mother, a godly woman, and a woman that was born to a godly man. Let me tell you, your descendants uh, uh, past or your um, the ones that have been come before you, they may not have been good. They may have been horse thieves uh, and uh, low-life people, but you're sitting here, born again, a child of the king, royalty, and so from here on out, you are, you are starting a lineage of people that your children, uh, even if they're not saved now, you're going to keep praying. They're going to come to Christ. And so your lineage is going to amount to godly heritage. So every one of us claim godly heritage for our kids. Say amen. All right. Now, so we come to these verses, the first nine verses. I like to think, looking at this, I like to think it must be Hezekiah, his mother, that shared with him this last chapter and the thoughts found in verses 1 through 9. So let's go to verse 3. So here is what she is sharing with him, and then we'll get to the virtuous woman. Proverbs 31, verse 3, she says, Do not give your strength to women. Don't give it to women. Now, see, there's a big divide here. She starts out telling her son, the king, that uh, you need to stay away from women, but she's not talking about the women that she then talks about in verses 10 on through the last verse. No, she's talking about other women that are going to be a distraction in her son's life, other women that uh, came or will come into his life or try to come into his life that uh, is not going to lead him right down the right path. Uh, just like Solomon, okay? Solomon married, uh, had wives. How many wives did he have? 700 wives. I think he had a drinking problem too, all right? So I'm just telling you. I, I really think Solomon had a drinking problem because if you had 700 wives, you would have a drinking problem, all right? And he not only had 700 wives, but he had 300 concubines. Give me a break. The guy had issues, all right? And uh, there were women. He would be seeing them and, who is that? Oh, that's number 600 of your wives, all right? Oh, it's been years since I saw her. Uh, how crazy was it to have 700 wives? And these wives, many of them foreign women, that one in particular from Egypt who served foreign gods or, or no gods really at all, and uh, she and others turned his heart away. And at the end of his life, you will discover Solomon, the wisest man on earth that ever lived other than Christ the wisest man that filled the earth with great wisdom in the Proverbs, this man built temples of, of ungodly, heathenistic uh, idols of that day for the women in his life and turned his heart away, the Bible says. So, um, I suggest you don't have 600 wives. That's the, that's the end result of these comments, all right? Or even two, all right? Because the truth of the matter is God intended for there always to be one man and one woman. And, uh, you know, I know things happen 
and divorces happen that we can't cause or are under the blood. But uh, no man is intended today to be married to two or more women. And every woman is to have one husband as God provides. Okay. All right. I don't want to get bogged down in Solomon, and I feel like I am. But uh, she is saying, don't give your strength to women, nor your ways to that which destroys kings. And so, in other words, what kind of woman is she talking about to stay away from that she's telling her husband? Women who are enamored with power, the power of a leader or uh, a king in this particular case, a, a woman that is what's generally called a gold digger. All right, I maybe shouldn't even use that term, but uh, his mother is saying, don't focus your life on getting distracted because you are called to a higher purpose and I want you to be a man of integrity and wisdom and choose the right woman. So her first advice to her son was stay away from wrong women and also notice this, she says in uh, the verses here, uh, let's read verse four. It is not for kings, O Lemuel, it is not for kings to drink wine, nor for princes intoxicating drink. Now, that's interesting because here's this wise woman that comes out and her first advice to her son is this. Stay away from the wrong women and stay away from wine. Why? Because she is saying, I want you as king, as leader, to have sound judgment and never to be intoxicated to the point that you make wrong decisions. Wow. How many people have changed their life forever? Because they're good people, they started drinking, they drank too much, and they became inebriated or intoxicated, and they crashed their car into somebody and killed somebody, or, you know, they got angry in their alcoholism and... and uh, physically abused, their wife ended up in jail, and now with a record. How many men, how many women, good people who uh, maybe have been saved or unsaved that did something they would normally not do, but under the influence, they did something bad, and the rest of their life, they may end up paying for it. Um, there's a reason, it says, to not drink. And uh, I started reading some from the stories of people that have encountered a lifestyle of alcohol. And uh, one woman said that uh, she had a marriage that went bad. And what did she do? She said, I turned to alcohol. And the funny thing, I had problems from then on, exasperated by alcohol, but I never blamed alcohol. And so, folks, whether you're a mother at home with children or you're a man that has a business and a wife and children. Uh, we don't want to do anything that is going to impair our wisdom. We don't want to do anything that's going to impair ourselves, right? And uh, I know that there's a lot of people today, Christians, that say, oh, there's nothing wrong with one drink. And there may not be. But if that one drink leads to many drinks or a lifestyle of alcohol, uh, then something can happen in their life that's detrimental. Anyway, let's read on 
verses 6 and 7. Give strong drink to him who is dying, all right? Uh, so at that point, let him have something to drink. And that's what she's saying. I'm not advising that. And wine to those who are bitter of heart. Let him drink and forget his poverty and remember his misery no more. Wow. Alcohol beverages were to be viewed as uh, medicinal uh, elements and not refreshments which diminish their care of important matters in life. All right, so one other thing she's sharing with him, and it's found in verses 8 and 9. She says, King, son, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. Wow, it's always been that typically the poor are the ones that get the least uh, uh, justice. They're the ones that are overlooked too often in our society. And I know that myself, growing up poor, extremely um, poor as far as society would have measured, uh, you, it affects you and, and you're looked down on. I look down on myself at times as a result of where we were economically. And uh, this can happen. But this woman is telling her king, son, make sure that you treat the poor fairly and don't oppress them and don't uh, push them aside. No, make sure you treat them right in all respects. This woman was a kind woman even though the implication is she was middle class and above. Uh, the implication is that she was a woman of great influence and even uh, prosperity, but she was saying, make sure you treat the poor right. And her life exhibited that. And as we get into the rest of this chapter, she, that was part of her markings and the character of a Proverbs 31 woman. Okay. So now we move from the, uh, the words that this mother gives her son to do right, and then she moves to, here's the kind of woman you need. In verses 10, all the way to the end of the chapter, here's the kind of woman you need. Here's what she's going to be like. Here is her character and uh, her influence, her work ethic, and uh, her treatment of others and her love for her husband, her family, her kids, and her, uh, her get up and go, as it were, her work ethic. So we're going to do something. We are going to um, talk to a lady tonight that's been in this church for about, well, January will be 41 years, all right? Um, and this woman, uh, I, I've known her all these years, she is a remarkable lady. Alice and I have the greatest love and respect for her as we do multitudes of women in this church. But uh, we're going to have uh, Alice come up with Beverly. And then, uh, okay, guys, um, let's come over here because they got the camera there, all right? So, um, Beverly... Boy, what a journey it's been. Uh, 
What an incredible journey. Um, Alice is going to ask you some questions, right? Well, we just wanted to have Beverly share her testimony tonight um, briefly because she has been such a great influence here on our lives. She's been the doctor of the church because she's a nurse practitioner, and so she's helped so many of us. She started the medical team that we have. She was the medical team for, well, since the beginning because we could always count on her. She was always here, and she's just been an amazing, faithful lady, and so we've asked her to share her testimony tonight, so she's going to do that right now. So, um, I was, I came from a broken home. My parents divorced when I was about six. And um, my mom had four children and raised us. Uh, so, we didn't have a church home at the time because my parents, one was Catholic and one was Baptist. So, what happened was we grew up not in church. My brother was um, Presbyterian, and he took my sister and I to church. So uh, when I was about 11, I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. Didn't know what it was. It was an adult before I found out what happened. But anyway, the long and short of it was that God had, had his hand on my life from that time on. He knew what, what was going to happen with it. Amen. So um, I met Fred when I was 17, got married when I was 18, uh, waitressed my way through nursing school, went on to college, and um, when I went to college, it was kind of the undoing of my life, all right? At that time, anyway. Um, I got into all kinds of stuff that I shouldn't have gotten into, became a women's liver, and marched on Washington, and a whole bunch of crazy things. Um, but God decided that he had better things for me. So uh, during that period of time, we went through some crazy issues, um, had difficulty with my marital relationship, separated a couple of times, and never wanting to actually leave or get a divorce, but uh, went through a really rough period with it. Um, God still had his hand on what was happening. I managed to get myself through school. Um, but in the process, in 1969, I got invited to a women's conference. I went to the conference. I don't even remember what the message was. The only thing I remember was that at the end of the service, um, the message came from Isaiah about that our lives were as filthy rags. And at that point, I gave my heart to the Lord, not knowing what was supposed to happen from that point on, okay? So um, for seven or eight years, I just floundered because no one followed me up, okay? And this is a critical issue in the church. When people come to the altar and they get saved, we need to follow them. We need to mentor them. Discipleship is probably the most important thing we can do in this church, okay? Amen. So, <laughs> it is. It absolutely is. Anyway, so <clears throat> what happened was um, I, you know, I struggled with my relationship with the Lord, uh, got into all kinds of stuff, and then I had an accident in 19, um, 1972. I rolled my car over, 
And a man saw the accident, and um, that night I got a phone call. Now, I have no idea where he got my phone number, but he said, you realize that that was no accident. And it wasn't an accident. It was God, and I knew that. So that was the beginning of the journey. Um, later on, I went to a, a, um, a Good Friday service at a Catholic church and came there with some desperate needs. And what happened was I went home and God answered the prayer the very next morning. So we decided, my friend and I, that we were going to start going to church. And we started at Calvary Assembly. I rededicated my life to the Lord. And then Fred got an offer to build Hogan Hall in... Um, in 1979. At Faith Assembly. Yes. Yes. On Golden Rod Road. Yes. yes. <laughs> All right. So he did the construction on the church, and we decided to start attending. When I came to this church, number one, the, one of the first people that impressed my life was Pastor Carl. I have to tell you. Um, when when we yeah. He officiated when we got baptized, if you remember that. What now? When we got baptized. Oh, yes, I remember. Yes. It was the first baptismal yes. in the new church. Yes. All right. Her husband, let me step in here. Her husband built the baptismal, and he did all the carpentry work in Hogan Hall. That was our first real building that uh, I was a youth pastor, and the pastor right. built. And so Fred said, he got saved. He really needed to get saved, too. Yes, uh, he did. And uh, he got saved. He was something else. Got saved. He said, I'm going to be the first one to get baptized Amen. in that baptismal tank. And so right. now, Beverly, so we're going to have to move it forward a little bit because you mentioned something. You said you went to church. You, got, you were born again, you think, and nobody followed up. Right. So since that time, you have gotten involved in discipleship teaching Right. What are you doing right now? Okay, right now I'm the coordinator of the first aid team. I teach discipleship on Thursday nights at Red Bug. I teach discipleship here on Monday nights. Tuesday nights we have a hurting uh, a group for hurting women. Uh, Wednesdays I'm in church. Then uh, mission trips. Oh, gosh, I don't remember all the and things. And you were teaching two classes, according to Pastor Jason, yes. on Sunday morning at Red Bug. Yes. Uh, what do you do in your free time? All right, so uh, she also runs her own uh, medical clinic, uh, helps yeah. people far and wide, has helped us tremendously. And Beverly, I think maybe you're doing all that discipleship because you realized way back then yes. you desperately needed somebody to right. help you. So you're still doing it and you go on missions trip and trips and you help people still. Mm -hmm. What else are you doing that's on a monumental level that I don't know about? Uh, <laughs> I have a crazy life. <laughs> I do. Praise God. Beverly, they have four children. They have four children who all also got right. baptized here that right. same time. Right. And um, glory to God. Right. She's Beverly. been a wonderful blessing to yes. this church. Let's give Beverly a good hand. God bless you, Beverly. just represents multitudes of people in this church that are doing incredible things. And the media team has put together a uh, video that uh, I think 
even though there are husbands and some children that are saying things about certain women in our church, this video really, really, really represents all of you ladies. Let's let uh, the guys play it. What I love about my wife, Rachel, is that um, just how much she loves her family. She's always taking care of uh, me and my lovely daughter, and she's just an incredible person. Um, she's always there for us, and she's just always willing to go the extra mile to make sure that we're okay. One of the biggest things that, that she loves to do is just reach out to anybody. She doesn't have clicks. She reaches out. She'll talk to anybody, embrace them. Um, she is definitely someone who will help those in need. And she just, she has a heart to love everyone. It doesn't matter who you are. She loves her family. I stand before you being the man who I am because of her. She prays for me, she supports me, and she encourages me. She's consistently watching over our daughters, encouraging them, letting them know that they can be all they can be through Christ who strengthens us. I am truly, truly, we are, my daughters, myself, are a blessed, blessed family. She does very well at her job, makes sure everything that she does is done with excellence, but still puts things in priority, putting her family first and coming home and helping uh, around the house with our kids and uh, just working together. But everything she does, she puts her full effort in as she does it for the Lord. My wife is a proper 31 woman. Helps those in need, always. If you need a prayer, she's there for you. If you need help, she, she's there for you anything. She's always serving, always volunteering for whatever is needed. All you have to say is ask and she will be there for you. We love her, baby. My wife is a Proverbs 31 woman because she helps those in need. She works hard. She works hard at, uh, at home. She works hard volunteering at church. She's a really good-hearted woman. She loves God. She puts her uh, God first and her family first and we're so proud of her. I love you, honey. So when I think of my mom, I definitely think of her as a Proverbs 31 mom. Um, two of the things that stood out most to me were that she just loves her family and she's always willing to help those in need. And those are just two of the reasons why I think she's the best mom ever. My wife's a Proverbs 31 woman because through my most difficult time in my life here recently, going through esophageal cancer, she stood beside me, comforted me, supported me, and did everything for me during that time. I love my wife. My mom is a Proverbs 31 woman because she works really hard and she cooks for six kids, which is really hard, and that's why I love her. Uh, she puts her family first because she's a God-fearing woman. She prays all the time, and she makes sure that everything that she does evolves around the family because she loves them and she loves God first, more importantly. I love her very much. She loves me, she loves her family, and she still has time to help plenty of people in need, and she has plenty of people around that love her. My wife Mackenzie is a Proverbs 31 woman because she works hard teaching during this COVID season and becoming a new mother. She is the hardest working woman I know. Her perseverance in a more serious tone, uh, any tough situation, she'll look at it and definitely do her best to resolve it, no matter how tough it may be. My mom has always been there first thing in the morning, make sure all of our needs are taken care of as a family. And I see her when my husband and I go visit her now. Uh, she's there in her chair writing thank you notes to all the churches that support her and my dad because they're missionaries. But she's just so, she, she has such an attention for detail for everything that she finds important. And it's an inspiration to me as soon I will be a mother as well. So my mom is a Proverbs 31 woman because 
She loves her family, and I know that she would do anything for us. If we ever need help, she's always the first person there to help us, and she just loves us so much. Proverbs 31 woman because she works very hard. Growing up she worked three jobs and she would still find time to come and hang out with us and she is a very loving mother and takes care of three beautiful children. My mom is a Proverbs 31 woman because she has people in her life that love her. Anyone that knows her knows that she is just one call away. She's always there to help, to serve, and to love people. And so growing up, I got to watch her really love even my friends and other family members. People saw her as a second mother figure in their life. And so it's been really cool to watch that and to hear other people speak so highly of her as a mother. My wife, Brenna, is a Proverbs 31 woman because she's rare, she loves her family, and she has people in her life that love her. Well, let's give all these ladies a good hand. Wow, I feel like saying it too. My wife is a Proverbs 31 woman. All right, so all of you men, you make sure you tell, if you're married here tonight, tell your wife before uh, you leave the property, all right, unless you forget it. Proverbs 31, verse 10. Who can find a virtuous woman or wife for her worth is far above rubies? Another translation says, far above diamonds. Let me just give you a couple more verses. Proverbs 31, 11, the heart of her husband safely trusts her so he can have no lack of gain. Trust, not necessarily marital fidelity, which is assumed in this poem, but economic security also. Trust, boy, uh, how women can make a difference in others' lives, their children, their husbands, all right? Now, you do have to, you read this uh, chapter, ladies, and you do see she's got a little bit of an advantage here. She actually has made servants in verse 15. How many of you could stand a maid or two hanging around your house, all right? So, uh, the first time I went, uh, or one of the times I went to the mission field, we got there to Bolivia, La Paz, Bolivia, a wonderful place. And I had a couple missionaries there. Um, you know, when I was growing up, I thought all missionaries lived in mud huts. They don't, all right? Thank God they don't. And uh, this couple were doing, had a great ministry. They had a nice house. I was like, wow. And then they had a maid, a full-time maid. And I'm like, boy, I'm in the wrong business. Uh, and, you know, I need to be a missionary, full-time maid. But... Uh, Really, when I discovered uh, that the pay they gave them was above par for that uh, country and that area, but it was a great blessing to this woman and her family to have a job like that, and so it blessed everybody. But 
Uh, this lady had maids also, which was a pretty incredible thing. And you read things like verse 16, ladies, where it says, she considers a field and buys it. Now, when's the last time any of us bought a field, all right? But in this society, it's talking about here's a woman that has economic gain and uh, she's wise and full of wisdom and she buys the field, sells it, makes a profit, uh, considers it, it says. This contains a touch of uh, shrewdness uh, in good Middle East fashion. She bargains before she buys. She bargains before she buys. All right, now I know you can't go to Walmart and say, hey, uh, for this hairspray, it's $5, I'll give you three, all right? I know that's probably not going to work, but there are a lot of things even that uh, you buy or deal with, services, other things that you can say, hey, you can bargain and say, hey, is that the best you can do? Or I'll give you this uh, when buying a car, you know, and they say, here's what it costs. We can't change it. This is, you know, the best we can do. Okay, well, thank you anyway. I'll go somewhere else. You may find them following you to the door to bring you back in for a better price. But uh, to bargain and to use uh, wisdom in this area of saving is a sign of a woman with integrity, but not trying to beat somebody out of something, but looking for the best deals. All right. I love this. In verse 20, and we're almost finished, going to wrap it up, but uh, I really like verse 20. It says, she opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. Kindness. Kindness. The law of kindness. And that's what it says in verse 26. Let me jump all the way down, guys. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and on her tongue is the law of kindness. Kindness. Kind to the poor, kind to those that are not, uh, you know, doing well in life, those that maybe as a result of their own bad decision, she's still kind. Um, you know, I've, I've been in ministry for a long time. I've heard a lot of stories from pastors and others who told stories about different pastors who had wives that didn't contribute to the ministry or what they did as a, for a living in, in being a pastor. Um, there was one time years ago, I, I heard someone say, yes, so-and-so, they're, they're really struggling. His wife, now think about this, his wife, the pastor's wife, they said she seldom ever goes to church. Um, and I'm like, really? She seldom ever goes to church? Yeah, and uh, she's got a horse. She loves to show the horse, so she's gone a lot of Sundays. And I'm like, boy, this is a recipe for disaster. When you've got a, when you're the pastor and your wife won't come to church, all right, that's a recipe for disaster. Thank God, I've got a wife that comes to church, uh, and she makes me look good. And I've always said, I probably would not be. Well, I would not be where I am today. I, let me change that. I would not be where I am today. First and foremost, without God. Secondly, without a woman that stood behind me, encouraged me, and uh, said, you know, it's going to be okay when 
when I was down and lifting me up and encouraging me and when I thought I preached the most horrible sermon. And she said, it wasn't that bad, all right? It was, uh, you know, it had good points. And I'm like, really? Oh, thank God. I know you're lying, but I love it, all right? So anyway, but a woman can make such a difference in people's lives. And maybe you're married now or maybe you're not but you can make a difference in the lives of those around you. So many years ago, uh, when our kids were small, we had a family, a wonderful family. They had four boys, and they, they reached a place where they were homeless, and they bought a tiny little trailer, and they were living it on, in it on the church property. And I didn't know what to do at the time. For them, the, the pastor said, you can live here for... 30 days or so, but then you guys are going to have to find your own place. At the end of that time period, they had nowhere to go. So I don't even think I'd check with the pastor, but I said, hey, guys, you can come to our house, and um, we'll put the trailer in the garage, and you guys can live in the trailer. Four boys, I think they had four, yes, mom and dad, living in our garage in a pop-up trailer. Uh, they ate with us, Alice fixed dinner for them, and uh, the mother, the woman helped some too, but she never complained, she never said any, I'm looking back and I'm thinking, good grief, I can't even hardly believe it now, never heard her say anything bad about it, jumped in there and helped and contributed, and um, they're still in our trailer, no, you know, they're not, they're, uh, uh, they're, they left, I don't remember how long they were there, but they left, but Kindness is such a beautiful virtue. And you may not be able to buy a field. You may not be able to have maids. But you can demonstrate one of the greatest powers of all of the 31 chapter woman, Proverbs 31 woman, and that is kindness. Kindness to yourself, kindness to others. You can make a difference in this world because... You are a Proverbs 31 woman. All right, praise God. Let's bow our heads, please. Father, thanks again for all these women. God, I pray your blessing on them all. Lord, they're at different places in life. They are going through things that only they and other women understand. And God, I pray that wherever they are, wherever they are in life, that you would meet them there and empower them to be who you want them to be. That's, that's what we simply want. We're not trying to live up to some society's goals. God, help these women to simply strive to please you first and foremost. And they will be, as a result, that Proverbs 31 woman. I'd like all the women in the building to stand, if you would, please. All the women to stand. And uh, yes, let's give them all a hand. God bless all of you women. God bless you. God bless you. Um, you know, and maybe you're not comfortable doing this, but if you are, uh, you can stand right where you are. Just remain standing. Look, look around, guys. Just look around. Where would this church be without women? Where would this church be? And you can go through this 
this auditorium and you can find people with a heart of Beverly. You may not be able with her gifting, but you've got giftings. And so many of you are doing things that are impacting. And you say, I, I'm, I've got kids, I can't really do anything. Well, you're praying. Just think about it. Your prayers making a difference. So, wow. No, this church wouldn't look like this without the women that have come along, walked into this building, and said, we're going to make a difference in this city. We're going to make a difference in this community. And um, what a difference you ladies have made. So we're going to pray for you and in closing tonight. And so if you want to, feel free to come and stand around this altar area, or you can stand right there. So quickly, if you want to, you can come, stand. And most important thing, if you're a lady that's standing here in this building and you don't have Christ as your Lord and Savior, oh, what a difference he's going to make in your life. This building is full of women who could say to you, just turn to him and he will make all the difference in the world. And if you want to, come and stand here. But I'm going to pray for you. And uh, right where you are is fine. So let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, God Almighty, God, thank you for the gift of women to this church. Thank you for the blessing that they are. Lord, those online that are listening to this service, bless them. God, touch them wherever they are. They're in the city, some other city, some other state, some other country. God, touch their lives. God, there's someone watching tonight. You know who they are. They're desperate. God, they're desperate. They're looking at this service and hearing this service somewhere else other than Orlando. Lord, they're wondering, do they matter? God, I pray that you would just move upon their hearts, move upon their lives. God, pour into them the fullness of your Holy Spirit. God, for in this building here, Lord, I pray you would pour out your spirit upon every woman. Lord, lift the load they may carry this night. God, that thing that lies heavy on their heart, I pray you would lift it in the name of Jesus. I pray, Holy Spirit of God, for their children. I ask you in Jesus' name, save their children. Give them the faith to know that you're going to do that in your time. God, as they turn to you, God, I thank you for that. I pray your blessing on them economically. God, impart your wisdom, impart your kindness to them all. Lord, we bless all of these women here in the atrium, there online. We bless them in the name of the Father and of the Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit of God. Amen and amen and amen. Again, let's give all these ladies a good hand. God bless you, ladies. We love you. These, uh, these altars are open. God bless you if you need to slip out. But these altars are open, and one of the pastors is going to be serving communion. Pastor Wayne, God bless you, sir.